Hello and welcome to the latest from Hearts Standard. My name is Joel Sked. I am joined by my colleague James Kearney. James Kearney, who support, uh, who's um, supporting our, is uh, wearing a river plate top. Mm. Very, very nice, James. Very nice. Oh yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's um, well, actually, as a gift to my stepdad because he went away to Buenos Aires, and I actually, I really wanted a Boca Juniors top. But they didn't have any in my size. He couldn't find one for off their money. Uh, so he was like, "Well, I've ever played one, do." And I was like, "Still pretty cool, yeah." Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. You, you, either or are pretty cool, but no, Boca, uh, Boca Juniors. Yeah, I can understand why you would have preferred that. We're not here to talk about Argentinian football. We're here to talk about Heart of Midlovian because Stephen A. Smith's main set pretty in third in the Premiership at the winter break, having won 2-1 at Livingston on Tuesday afternoon. Hearts now hold a five-point lead over Kilmarnock in third. It was the seventh away win from Hearts. They have, since the 91-92 season, I think it's only, I've been writing it today, there's only three seasons where, three, maybe four, four seasons where Hearts have won more than seven away games in the top flight since then. So um, it is quite remarkable. It shouldn't be remarkable, but at the moment it is. So we are going to look back at the at the game from, uh, I was going to call it Amonville, the Tony Macaroni Arena. James, we'll, we'll, we'll dissect it in, in little bits, but we've both, I've watched the majority of the game back, you've watched the, the whole of the game back, head of analysis piece of what on the site tomorrow. Just just, just briefly before we kind of break it down, what were your, your general thoughts on watching it back? Did anything really change your mind from the first the, the first watch of it yesterday? Um, <clears throat> to be honest, I thought that Livy actually weren't maybe as good as I thought they were the second time. Same, around. same. Yes, it seemed, it seemed a lot cagey and a lot more nervy on the day. But um, watching it back the second time around, it's okay. Yeah, Livy have get the ball in good areas a lot of the time. But I mean, by half time there was, I think they had three shots on goal and they were all off target. Obviously, there was a mm-hmm. disallowed goal as well, which of course marginal could have easily gone in. But um, yeah, as, as a, I don't think it was maybe quite as um, like Jekyll and Hyde as we perhaps thought at first, where. I think when we were doing the match at the time, I thought we thought like, oh god, this is this really isn't great at all. And don't yeah. know, hearts weren't hearts weren't particularly good in the first half, but they did improve at the break. They got that two goal cushion, and after that, it was a long way back for Livy. Yeah, I thought, I thought watching it, I was like, we have not, we've not, we didn't start well. And then I just thought miles, miles off it in the first half. Mm. But then on rewatching it and like kind of skipping through, I thought certainly the first twenty minutes, Hearts started really, really badly. And Livingston did what it was kind of old school Livingston. They got about you. They were direct. They made it very difficult. They scrapped. But then they actually didn't have that much quality in the final third, like you mm. said. So they had Obelai Header, which was a great save from Xander Clark. But that would have been ruled off for offside because there's two Levy players in front of Xander Clark. And then you had the offside, uh, the offside goal from uh, Curtis Guthrie. Again, that was very, very close, but I think he, he obviously was just, just offside. And then after half an hour, I thought Hearts kind of finally settled and started to probe without looking that great. And then there was just like a almost like a, a change. Half time came a good time, and then able to step up after the break with with a couple of really good, um, uh, really good perform, uh, really good couple of performances and goals. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because um, <clears throat> I mean, I think that's the point. The main point is that I think in the first half in particular, 
Hearts really struggled to get outside their own half. Whoever the man in the ball was, they were always just getting pressed relentlessly. Like Livy were just uh, just absolutely chucking bodies at, at yeah. Hearts, and they just couldn't Hearts couldn't really get out. And um, you know things like some things, like, you know things like a switch from like one wing to the other wing, like which can kind of free up space with the wing backs. That wasn't really happening. There were there's the odd ball long, but it wasn't really paying off. Um, I think you know aside from there's one moment maybe about twenty minutes or so in when Alan Forrest looked as if he was just skipped in behind. <clears throat> uh, I think and then I think it was uh, Mikey Devlin gets like a last gasp kind of tackle on him. That was probably the closest Hearts came to threaten. And obviously Shagman yep. did hit the bar as well, of course, but that was the second phase of a corner kick, you know. Um, and while he did brilliantly, it wasn't a particularly uh, high XG chance. I remember looking at it and I think it was something like 0 0.03, which, you yep. know, for the stats nerds out there, that's not a lot. Um, so but yeah, it showed Shankland's quality, to, uh, his ability to turn very little into a lot. Oh, exactly. No, he, he took it brilliantly and he was really unlucky. I mean, he caught it pretty much perfectly um, in terms of just getting that like, glance on it, that angle on it, um, good bit of direction and pace, but just didn't quite come off. But then I think in the second half, though, Hearts definitely helped the fact that Livy, maybe it was a tiredness thing, maybe just, you know, maybe you can't play that way for 90 minutes, but they weren't pressing quite as high up the park anymore. I mean, it wasn't that same intensity. All of a sudden, defenders um, were getting some time on the ball whenever Hearts were playing out from the back. And then that's when we started to see those little gaps opening up because I think Levy's game plan was basically just let's keep the ball in incredibly congested spaces uh, and we'll win the second ball. That, that's what we're going to do to get up the park. Yeah. Um, also, there's a, their clear target in Penrace as well, who was looking really good on the left-hand side. Lots of really good deliveries into the box. Um, but basically, I, I think that because the way that the pitch was, I think it was the way the weather was as well. It was one of those days where basically... Uh, the Hearts players couldn't really get their foot on the ball and start playing it. Like I think there's a reason that Alan Forrest really stood out, and I'm not sure we're going to talk about him, but there's a reason that he stood out more than anyone else. He's played good, God knows how many games on that yeah. pitch. He he looks like he could play football, and everyone else is always just kind of, you know, like lurching after the ball. It looks as if no one is really under control. Never things weren't quite paying off. But as soon as Hearts were, when I mean, the second half kicked off, and then there was a little bit more time at the back. All of a sudden, then at those points, Hearts were able to find that little bit of space, have that little bit of time in the ball, pick their next pass, rather than just you know flinging themselves out there, just try to keep hold of it, come what may. And then that's when the little gap, those little gaps started appearing, and then when those little gaps started appearing, that's when the chances came. So I think it was one of those games where we were just basically trying to restrict the space, keep it chaotic. And Hearts in the first half didn't really cope with that at all, but in the second, they opened up those little pockets and like creating those little pockets of space. That's what changed the game. It was uh, as soon as as soon as Stephen Naismith sat down. Someone asked him a question. He basically just said, "Let's get let's get it out uh, there to begin with." The pitch is rubbish, and mm. the way he spoke was he's um, just got his quotes up here. It's basically, it's, uh, I'm really pleased with it. the pitch is rubbish. It's always going to be. I'm really pleased with the performance. It's not a pitch you're going to get any good football on. It's a battle in these games. If you let the ball bounce, you're in trouble defensively. But also, the timing of your runs are most important. And they went on to talk about oh yeah, you work every day about the main things you want to be as a team you can get sucked in the same but we do this but when you play on pitches like this it's not worth the risk so that was i think you could see it in certain elements of hearts play where especially kent he just got the ball and halk as well they would just look for vargas in behind Aye. or uh, kind of runs in behind and you look at some of the comments we got here so um You've got, uh, got um, I think Liam sums up best. Any Hearts fan turning in for a performance at Olivia's mental is a dogfight, not just against the players, but the pitch as well. 
Hearts handled uh, them very well. To be fair. And that's what I cut a I cut a very anguished figure at times in the press box in the opening uh, opening half an hour just because I thought Hearts I thought we were quite slow to start. Just in yes, not yes in terms of the the ball possession, but I actually thought the reaction to. Uh, the reaction to how the game was it happening around players. Like there was a moment where Sibic uh, was, I think Sibic was probably the player that was most guilty of it, that he would just, he was kind of wasn't a, awake or aware to what was happening around him. There was one where he uh, Kent was following a runner and Sibic, rather than Sibic going press the ball, he tried to follow the runner as well. Yeah. And then you had uh, <clears> then you had the moment for the, the goal which uh, or the, the the offside goal where Levy took a throw in and they got a really simple two v one, clipped into the box and it was a header. So that I think that proved to be a big wake up call because the, the players are so I don't think they were um, they they didn't match Livingston's intensity and willingness for the battle and the scrap to begin with, but they did eventually. Um, Eventually, do that, and I think that's what we, we talked about the civics rustiness, uh, Haring's uh, Haring's rustiness, and like Liam says, Haring done exactly what he was asked to when headers fight for second ball uh, balls. Game passed uh, off by. Kind of, I I agree with that. I think Haring came into it. Um, Newenhoff had his moments, but frustrated uh, at times. But when when they decided, like, let's not try and play passes in risky areas. Let's just do the um, do the basics. I think. That's kind of that settled hearts. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, one, one of the big things again for the improvement after the break, I thought was with Peter Haring, and and I think in the first half, I wasn't convinced at all. I thought he was pretty, he was quite sloppy on the ball. Um, you know, he inadvertently got Neuenhoff booked because he just gave away the ball for no reason, and then Neuenhoff had to get had to like scythe down his man in order to stop a goal uh, goal scoring opportunity. So yeah, I thought the Haring, <clears throat> I wasn't impressed with him much in the first half, but I thought as the game wore on. Um, he actually started playing some nice stuff and he played, he played some really nice passes. Again, he was really important in the build-up for <clears throat> and like releasing Alan Forrest, you know, getting the ball out to him, getting him going. And I, I thought actually come the end of the game, he was looking really composed and more a lot more like his old self. Um, I, th- I think the other thing as well is Cochrane as well, particularly in the first half, really slack in possession. Yeah. Just a couple of times where <clears throat> um, you know, he, he put, I think there's one point he passes it behind him thinking Kingsley's going to be there and Kingsley's not there at all and it's just you know, all of a sudden Levy a counter countering or another point when again Hearts are building out from the back it goes out to him at the left back and then he takes a poor touch and it's out for a, a Levy throw. There was lots of little things like that constantly throughout the first half I felt I think that Neuenhoff was guilty of it I think Cochrane was guilty of it, I think Haring was guilty of it Sevick was guilty of it, you know basically the entire team you know when you go through it they, they, there are a lot of players who just um, really struggled to just um, get get things under control, but then in the second half, as I said, there was like there there was that little bit more time at the back because Levy weren't quite as aggressive. That did that Hearts pick you know play their head up, look for a man, find them, and then when you do that, those little gaps open up. Now, obviously, <clears throat> again, I'm sure we'll speak about him in that, but Forrest was absolutely <clears throat> incredible in this match in terms of like it was so 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 important. Uh, getting the ball, driving it forward, finding men, and you know, even you could see even like of someone like Vargas when, you know, in the first half he had a couple of chances where he was kind of released down the right, couldn't really find it, find the space again, couldn't get the ball under control. Just kind of again, it looked like he was, you know, kind of stretching after, it, struggling to get get um, get his foot on the ball and actually control what he was doing. It looked like he was always kind of lunging after it again. But in the second half, again, maybe it's the weather, maybe the rain dried up, 
dried off a little bit. But again, as the game wears on, he looks more and more confident. Obviously, getting the goal helps with that. But even aside from that, I just thought every time he got the ball from, uh, in the second half, he looked like a different player from the one in the first. So I think part of that's maybe down to the weather, but I think part of it as well is that because that, that little extra second or two at the back, it just let Hearts play. And whereas the first half, they didn't have any opportunity to do that. But in the second, they did. And then that's when you started seeing those little gaps open up. Because like there was, me, me and you said it like maybe five, ten minutes into the match, like there was a lot of space in behind the Levy back line if you could hit mm-hmm. it, if you could find it. Obviously, that's why Forrest and Vargas were in the team. They were there to exploit it. And, well, it didn't quite come off in the first half. In the second, it absolutely did. So, the, yeah, that was... We'll go on to talk, talk about Forrest now, but you saw in the first half where we talked about it was Kent and Halkett playing uh, longer balls. And it's all well and good having uh, playing them against a high... A, behind the high line but when you're kind of looping them it gives them time to drop off it gives them time to react whereas yeah. you look at the second half you've got Forrest playing uh, a ball quickly in behind for Vargas you've got Cochrane playing a ball quickly in behind for, for Forrest and as uh, Ben uh, Ben Audlin says, Alan uh, Alan Forrest's prime Neymar on a plastic pitch, and he was and in, in terms of his performances for Hearts, I think that was certainly up there with one of his best or certainly most effective performances mm. for Hearts. Wrote about a piece on uh, one of the site today. There's been a marked improvement in him this season, Naismith, uh, compared to last season. At the very best, he was. Okay, as a squad player last last season, but uh, more realistic, you're looking uh, poor to underwhelming uh, for for Forrest. This season, he's been much more, uh, much more involved, much um, a much bigger player. I think Nace have talked about him being a, a a big player for a big player for us afterwards, and said that he's really keen for him to sign a new contract. And you can understand with a performance like not just it's not reactionary to a performance like that, but that performance was in keeping with his progress throughout the season where he has been a, a very effective player for Hearts because he's been able to fill in different positions. Uh, was a Hearts fan uh, replied to a tweet of mine yesterday and just, uh, compared them to Park Ji Sung and I just can't uh, uh, I just can't not see that now and it's it, it, but you do need these type of players where in big games, you can trust them. So that's what Al Ferguson did with uh, Park Son. He trusted them in the biggest games. And you look at Alan Forrest and Naismith needed someone to play up front with Shankland in, like, at Celtic Park, someone who would stick to their task, be diligent. And that's what exactly what Forrest does. And now you see he's played kind of right wing, left wing, right wing back, part of a front three, part of a front two. He's not going to be, he's never going to be Hearts. Uh, consistently the best player he's never going to be the, the star player but what he is going to do be is I think just an important squad member and I talked about it and you look at the the different if you look at the squad and the different groups that you want within that squad you want players coming through from the academy you want guys who are you see as assets that if you develop they're going to sell for uh, decent money and then you've got new arrivals coming in who players like Vargas and and, and and Oda Tagawa or other new signings who think right you may take time for them to settle but then if you have this fourth group a core group of squad uh, a core group of players who know what the premiership is about know what um, what it takes to be kind of, um, a, a good Premiership player, experienced Premiership player. I would put Forrest in that group now alongside the likes of Liam Boyd, Stephen Kingsley, Craig Halkett, Barry Mackay. No, I think that's totally fair. I mean, to be honest, when you think back, when I think back on it now, if you take away Shankland 
is a quite a big big thing, but okay, fine. Forrest has probably been Hearts' most consistent attacking player this season, like after Shankland. You know, I think everyone else has had spells where they've looked quite good. Everyone else has spells where they've been not so good, but Forrest has been pretty consistent and he has been delivering, um, and like you say, in a variety of different roles and positions across the uh, across the pitch. So I think that's to his credit. And I think that though yesterday it was like the thing that you could, the one that was made of. He, he obviously he was the match winner. He was. Nice, said it after the game. I know Martin used to point out in your piece today that Martin Dale said it was Shankland. Like, yeah, no, it wasn't. It was the other guy here. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was Alan Forrest. You know, um, it was it was absolutely someone brilliant. you worked with, uh, David. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so like, I think that he's like, uh, um, he's, he's. I just thought it was really intelligent the way he played yesterday. I think not only was he, you know, carrying the ball and dribbling far at the park, which is great in terms of helping Hearts get up the pitch. But also his passing as well. I mean, I, I said this. I mentioned this to you earlier on today when I was looking through the stats from yesterday's match, and he had more open play passes in the final third than like, had, I think he had sixteen in total uh, in that match. You know, the next highest Hearts player was eight, and someone else had seven. You know, which is like you know. So not only was he the guy dribbling and you know getting the ball at the park, he's also the guy a lot of time playing these passes that were getting people at the park as well. So I think that you know. It's, it was a very much an all-action kind of all-round performance from Forrest. Obviously, he won a penalty as well. You know, that's uh, obviously he should have had one the other night. So you look at it and you go, like, yeah, he's becoming more of an effective presence in the final third. But just that one wee thing that lights him down is probably his shooting. I think because yeah. there was that chance, particularly right at the death. I think it was the ninety-third minute or something like that when um, Denham won a flick on Forrest is through on goal after charging up uh, down the left-hand side. And he, he takes a great first touch, gets into the box, shapes his body well. And then, to be fair, I think it's a good save from the goalkeeper who comes rushing out. But at the same time, it's hard to... It, 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 he seems to get in those positions a lot where he's cut, he's coming in from the left-hand side, looks in a great position, then he just can't quite get his... That, that, he just can't quite be, find a way past the goalie. I think he's, he's, he, that does seem to happen quite regularly. It seems to have happened a few times this season. But you think, well, everything else apart from that was great. You know, the run was great. You know, he gets the ball, that was great. The dribble was great. He shapes really well. It was all so close to being brilliant. And it's just that one wee thing. And you think that yeah. if, if he could add that one little last bit to his game, then yeah, he might he might, might well become one of these players, who, you know, who's starting week in, week out, you know, in that kind of core group that you're talking about. But certainly I think he's shown so far this season that he, he at the very least deserves a contract extension. I think he's obviously shown that he's a really valuable asset and the fact that he can be so versatile, like you say, the fact that he's got that Pargy song thing where if you tell him what to do, he'll just go and do it and that's all, yeah. that's all you'll have to worry about. That's so valuable and it's obviously something that managers regard really highly. So I don't think it'll be any... I'd be amazed if he didn't get a contract extension at this point. Um, and there's not much more he could be doing at this stage, I don't think. I thought he was excellent on Saturday, uh, excellent yesterday. And it's just, you know, that, that performance has been coming for a while, I think, as well, because he has been p- played in positions he has, he's had to you know, put in the hard yards or he's doing stuff that maybe he doesn't really want to be doing if he's you know, playing at right wing back, for instance. I'm sure he'd rather be at the other end of the park. But he still does it, does it diligently and does it well. And that's, you know, that, that, those are the kind of players that you absolutely need in your squad if you're going to kick on, particularly if you're going to be playing in Europe as well. Yeah, and I think there's 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 players within the squad that can learn a lot from Forrest. In t- definitely in terms of his his attitude, his character, and his his, his willingness, but also the attacking players could learn. Some attacking players could learn from, i.e., Yitaro Oda could learn uh, a bit from Alan mm. Forrest, and that 
He always looks to try and be positive. He's, he always looks to be uh, direct. And I think his decision-making's uh, pretty good at times, like when to do it and when when to maybe keep the ball. But yeah. I've seen a couple of guys mention the, uh, the, the comments there that he, he comes off the bench, I think, like uh, Ross County. But that, that not just Ross County. There's a couple of times he's came off the bench, especially at home. And suddenly Hearts have got – he gives an injection of energy and directness, which is um, – which is massive. That that's why I've got a lot of time for Forrest because okay, it might like I say sometimes might not have the that final bit of quality. Even Nace have talked about it in those big final moments. But he is uh, uh kind of the, the mindset of what he wants to do as as a forward player is um kind of half the half the battle. And like I said, he's not going to be the the team star player, but I think he's just going to be an important squad uh, squad member. You mentioned Vargas as well. I think now with the last couple of games, we're starting to see on a more consistent basis what we were kind of hoping for from Vargas from the the very start. Just that a wee bit of wee bit of magic, but the the pace and the willingness to to run in behind and run off run off players and provide a bit more uh, a bit more for goal threat. And because you look at the the goal against County, the goal uh, against Livingston. Also, he went close a couple of times. There was one really good one where he shuff, shuffled inside and he just didn't get the curl or swerve the right way for the, mm. the shot and it just angled past. But those moments, you're just starting to see a bit more of that, and uh, which is encouraging. No, definitely, because I think he's a player who... Uh, I, I think the Hearts fans probably had quite high hopes for him when he came in. You know, it's, you know, young Costa Rican attacker. Oh, that's always fun. That sounds, that yes. sounds great, you know. Um, and yeah, obviously he's... We've touched on this before, but obviously he's found himself probably playing more than he would have planned to with injuries elsewhere at the park. Guys like like Oda being out injured earlier in the season or Barry McKay, for instance, he's probably found himself getting played more near the light and in positions he wasn't perhaps wanting to do. But you're right, I mean, the last couple of games he's looked really great when he's come on, actually. I, I, um, I thought that both his goals um, in the last couple of weeks, they were both really well-taken goals, really confident goals as mm-hmm. well, which is really nice to see for a player who... You know, up until that, I've only had what we only had one goal uh, up until his goal against um, County. You know, um, and then obviously he scored that fantastic finish. That, that, that was yeah, that was the county game, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 it was. Yeah, yeah so it's, you know, it's like this time of year, so many this games, time, so many games. Yeah, the one after all. I think um, he's, yeah. he's now he's now a joint top goal scorer with own goal. <laughs> joint uh, second top goal. That's right. Yeah, it was a glorious three. It was a glorious yep. three. So that's quite quite a target, you know, for everyone else to try and beat, take off him, but. No, yeah, that was the thing that I think really impressed me. It was like it was his composure when he did get those big chances and he had those big proper one on ones. You know, he took them both really well because yeah. I think we've seen it elsewhere. Where you, can t- you touched on it just there, where he'll have chances where he's got a sight at goal from maybe the edge of the box and he'll, he'll hit it. And he's he's had a few of those over the last few games, and like the, the, they've all, almost all of them kind of went narrowly over at the near post. And you kind of go, oh well, you know, it's, it's decent effort. Um, you know, it's a decent chance. Fair enough. On you go. Um, so those those are the kind of ones where you kind of go, okay, it'd be nice if one or two of those started going in, but you know, striker having a go again shows you got that confidence. But the ones where it's been properly clear cut, here's a great chance for you, Kenneth. What can you do? He's taken them emphatically both times. So again, it's just so now it seems to be particularly actually the county goal. That's the kind of goal that you know Janelli was getting, and I think those are the kind of goals that Vargas could potentially get when you know Shankin gets the flick on. And then all of a sudden Vargas has space to run into, and if he can just beat his man and get through on goal, then it's a relatively simple finish if you can keep your cool, which a lot of players can't, but he can. I mean, that's one of the things Naismith touched on as well after the game was the fact that he's one of those players who is just naturally calm and composed in front of goal. 
probably not entirely dissimilar to someone like Naismith actually yep. come to think of it. So I, I think Naismith perhaps sees a little bit of himself in that and quite quite fancies it. In terms of any other individuals, we um, I don't, don't think there's. I thought Aid, Aid, uh, just one Aiden Denham would came off the bench. I thought he did had a brilliant game as uh, as kind of just um, helping Hearts get get Hearts over the line. Joe, uh, hang on, I've got some notes here. So hang on, so he was subbed on in the 89th minute. Yeah, right? and there was nine minutes of stoppage time. So okay, there's got a stoppage time to get played, but he was on the park in that time. He, uh, at one point, he was pressing at the park and managed to force Levy all the way back to their own goalkeeper just by pressing alone. That was pretty good. Um, he set he set Forrest in through for a one on one with a brilliant wee flick on again, kind of Shanklin esque. That's what they reminded me of. Um, he then won. He then stopped a Levy Levy counter attack when Hearts had the ball really far up the park. He then stopped Levy getting going before he, before he, he stopped Levy before he could even get going, and then he. Uh, the moment later on where he got the ball, ran straight into the corner, kept it for a wee bit, and then won a corner kick as well. And so it was like all in the space of like eight minutes or something like that, eight, nine minutes. It was just brilliant. Again, because we see a lot of the same players come on last five, ten minutes of games. And you know, like, you'll know as well if you're doing like player ratings for a newspaper. I guess you know, someone comes on the last couple of games, like, last few minutes, didn't touch the ball. Normally you get like an any or yeah. like you know, a six or whatever the average is. Denham played brilliantly. I don't know, for ten minutes. <laughs> that's one of those ones you'd have to give him a rating because like, he was actually really important in getting Hearts yeah. over the line there. So yeah, I thought a brief cameo and fair play to him. He took yeah, he only got ten minutes, but by God, he made the most of them. Because I, I remember, because it, it obviously gets to that, uh, it gets to the end of the game, and we're kind of uh, writing up our instant analysis ready for like the full time. And <laughs> every time I looked up, I was just like. Denham's doing something positive. Denham's <laughs> doing something positive. That's good from Denham. That's good from Denham, and it, it did keep uh, it kept Livingston. It made it difficult for Livingston because I think um, to stop them from playing out. Because you look at Martindale ended up uh, having fielded four strikers, four big strikers as well. So you're just thinking, oh no, this is going to be nine minutes of hell. Or they just pumping it in the box, and you never know what could happen. It could drop anywhere. It could bounce around. So it was important to have someone that kind of uh, prevented them there. So yeah, it was. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you. Um, uh, glad you'd mean uh, all those notes of uh, of Denham's um, effectiveness. I was just. I was just impressed with it. Again, it's like it's not often. I don't think someone comes on the 89th minute and makes that big an impact. You know, like, I guess yeah. it was absolutely brilliant. Because um, you're right. I mean, at that point, Levy had gone. It was basically four to four. They had, you know, like you say, you, you look for their front line. It's all big, big lads. You know, so you think I just uh, you know shell it and see what happens, but. To be honest, after after Livy's goal, there was one decent chance actually. I thought when I can't remember, I think it was maybe Shinny had a kind of low cross come shot from the um, edge of the box, and it fell into the path of Michael Nottingham. Uh, Nottingham, that's right. The center, the defender had come on, and it, it was one of those ones where it just it was kind of drilled into his feet. He didn't really know because he knew much of what was going on. He kind of just tried to get something on it, ended up going straight to Xander Clark. It's one of those ones if he. Anticipates that a wee bit better, surely to all. But yeah, apart from that, you know, Livy, yeah, they they knocked at the door, and there was a wee bit of kitchen sink time. But I thought Hearts actually stood up to that pressure really well. And like again, it's having like, guys like you know Denham who's able to, and like, even like Oda as well. At one point, you know, guys who when when you do win the ball back, just quickly knock it up to them, get them in space, they can hold on to it, and they can treat the ball well. And I think that, um, yeah, I thought it was a bit, like you say that last. I mean. So I think like you guys ten minutes to go, so obviously it ended up being like that last twenty minutes. That that, <laughs> that could have been really nervy, but it wasn't really. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I thought actually they handled it really well, and like you say, like Denham was absolutely at the heart of that. 
The, but before we move on to kind of finish up with talking about the way performance and the, the now being the winter break, I'd be foolish not to talk about uh, Lauren Shanklin just because it was a difficult, especially the first half was a difficult game from as uh, Liam mentioned when, or Cabeto Baggio mentioned when you were talking about Shanklin's header was that he should have had a pen in the build-up to the header of the bar. Aye. I think we've probably all seen the pictures now of my, uh, uh, Mikey Devlin Oh, <laughs> taking Shanklin's, um, it was like it was, it was like a dust up, and he's uh, he's done the trick where he's he's rolled the guy's t shirt up so he can't see to uh, to, to have a fight. It was um, it was it was incredible, but it was not the first time. It was kind of manhandled. It's a type of these situations uh, often happen with uh, with Shanklin because he, he backs in so well, uh, he yeah. uses his body so well that opposition defenders are naturally going to have to kind of tug him and. Um, Hand them a lot. Obviously, it, it almost um, it almost went OTT with uh, I think it's was, was it John Parks or Tom Parks, a uh, lovely centre back, yeah. where they um, they had a wee coming together. But it was seemed a frustrating first half for Shanklin in, in that sense, just with the, the team maybe not creating chances, but the the his finish for his the win what was proved to be the winning goal again. Great work from Forrest, but the finish was just just outstanding. No, again, yeah. What else can you say? I mean, to have that composure, that that kind of finish in that kind of situation, just brilliant. You know, again, really nice work from Alan Forrest again. Is that we link up, play back from the back to like the Somerset Park days. Yeah. Um, I mean, I say, yeah, I don't know what else you can say about Shankland at this point. Honestly, I mean, it's just it's every week he's doing it. To be honest, I thought his performance um, the other day was really similar to County. To be honest, the, the County game where it was like, yeah, the first half. Couldn't really get in the game much. There wasn't seen much of the ball. Looked a bit frustrated out in the park. But then he gets his one chance and, you know, he takes it <laughs> absolutely sublimely. Yeah. And he couldn't have done any better. So, aye, there's another one of those ones where, again, I don't think when he looks back on it, he, he, even kind of similar to the Derby as well, I think, where you look at it in the you know, last few games, he's maybe not been as effective on the ball as he would have liked, but he's still scoring goals. And that's also whilst also put missing penalties. So it's a, yeah. it's a bizarre, it's just an absolutely remarkable state of affairs where, you know, I, I'd actually say I think the last few games he's maybe been a wee bit off the ball or slightly below par compared to the games before that in terms of just getting on the ball, getting involved. Again, he's still turning up these absolutely huge moments and still just getting those goals. So, yeah, I mean, it's going, to, it's going to be we've said it before I'll say it again it's going to be an incredibly long month January. yeah it's, get the feeling that this, this is where Hearts' season kind of hinges which and I, I kind of back away from doing that and generally kind of you know, saying like, oh it's all down to this one guy but to be honest let's be honest at this point it is kind of down to does he stay or does he go that that will, that will determine the rest of the season but it's, it's, it's more it's, it's, as well as as is what he's producing it's just that uh, it's, it's the mindset he gives teammates, and we've got the uh, kind of Q and A with Peter Haring going up to, uh, tonight, so it's embargo till half time. But he he talks about that and what uh, like Shanklin's influences, and as as Graham says, we don't mind the closing, uh, the window closing now to stop the daily Shanklin leaving rumours, and that's what it is. It's been um, in my group, uh, in my WhatsApp group chat with uh, with my heart supporting mates. Someone, it's like every day, it's a screenshot from some Twitter rumor. It's like, oh, Everton, mm. Everton want them, Celtic want them. Um, who was the one yesterday? Uh, some nonsensical English team who uh, are not anywhere near the size of Hearts were, were want them. So, I, it's um, 
<laughs> yeah, as Liam's saying, it's been so long since we had a striker that had done striker things that we expect our strikers to run around, link up, play, hold the ball up, etc. Yeah. That we forget his only job is to score. And as he just he, that's he, a fair he, point, actually. Yeah. Actually, as I, as I say, I'm, I'm reluctant to criticise him at the moment because I'm he's still scoring fantastic goals every week. But I, <clears throat> that's, a, that's a good point from Liam. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, it's but it's. it's it's got to the point now, though, that you have such high standards for Shankland just because you know how good a how good a player is, how well rounded a player is, and you can understand why he's been linked to loads of clubs. But as I say, every passing day, his valuation to Hearts goes up, and I still think his value value to Hearts outstrips his value what probably other teams uh, maybe value him. So, oh yeah. See if see if if you offered me, we don't sign anyone, but keep Shanklin, so we don't get another right back. And I was like, mm. let's just take it. Let's just 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 uh, let's just take it and move on. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, the only the only like clubs I could think of that could actually realistically afford afford him and would pay it would be something like you know maybe someone mentioned down like the bottom end of the Premier League, where it's just mm. you know they've got more money than sense anyway, and you know <laughs> splashing out six seven million pound and up there, that's fine. That's just a, that's chump change anyway. Um, but yeah, I think in general though, like it's hard. We're getting to that point now where actually yeah, the fee that Hearts would rightly demand for him is probably going to be more than what anyone's willing to pay. Um, but let's hope that's the case anyway. Because as you say, yeah, I think right now, I think most Hearts fans probably even take losing a couple of other players without bringing anyone in. If it meant okay, but you've still got Shanklin come the end of it. I don't, I don't think there's, yeah. It's getting to the point where it's just, I just keep him. It doesn't matter. Whatever he wants, the government. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just uh, if it is a new deal, she should definitely be the, the, the club's highest paid player. Absolutely. Uh, no doubt about that. So, moving on to the, we'll talk about the waveform before uh, before finishing up. Again, it's uh, something right up for tomorrow. It's um, not really much to, to add, but seven away wins uh, in the first 20 league games of the, of the season is is a great record and it's just one of those where you look at it if only our, if only the home form is you the, the usual home form then mm. you'd uh, be absolutely scooshing the third place uh, as it is but you look at the you look at the way the team have won away games uh, it's not been perfect all the time but they've managed to do it in different uh, kind of scenarios or situations or ways which is great no, absolutely. I mean, I'm just trying to think of it now. So, does that mean Hearts have lost? Is it three away games in the league all season? Four away games, four. lost four, and then lost three at home, but yeah, not drawn away. Dundee away, St. Mirren away, Rangers away, and Aberdeen away. Aberdeen, of course. Yeah, yeah. So you look at that and go, "That's not bad at all." Is it? You know, you think of it when you put it in that, that kind of context. But I mean, it's obviously it's an absolutely huge improvement from. You know, not even just last season, but you know, going, as I know you do, going back over the last five, ten seasons and looking at it and seeing how it goes. Last I mean, thirty-two. Because <laughs> I think that's the last. Um, I mean, I asked you this on the way out the ground yesterday, but if if they get one more away win this season, which seems perfectly doable, then they'll have had as many this season as they have in the last previous two combined. Is that uh, right? Well, uh, so nine. Out, uh, out by one is it? Nine top nine top flight away wins in the last two seasons combined. Right, so they've got a great chance of equaling that this season. You need yeah. a couple more, and they've done that, which is, I think, says quite a lot about the team's progress in that area. You're right, the home form that that, that can swing back around. You go, okay, well, that should be a bit, a bit better, and of course it should be. But again, I think you look back. I think if you look at the season so far as a whole, you can see the home form has improved as time's gone on. You know, there were a couple of hairy moments, particularly at the start of the season. That seems to those 
creases have hopefully been ironed out now. And I think it's the same as well um, with the away form again, where it's just, it seems to be improving as time wears on. You know, the bigger scalps, the bigger results, better wins. And it's, you're right, it's just that thing of like, if there's just a slight improvement in home form, you know, just getting it up to like the levels where, because it's probably been slightly below average so far this season. In yeah, general. absolutely. absolutely. Like, if it just hits like just the, the sort of average level of the last few seasons, Hearts will stroll third in the end. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You look at um, you look at the, the games coming up. The Graham says two two very winnable home games coming up. But you're looking as a, as a Hearts fan, it's like the it's the away games that are, are more winnable than the, uh, the home games, which is a very strange position to be in. But Aberdeen and Dundee, the next two home games after the break, which is which is massive. You because you can you can effectively you could you could turn um, you could potentially knock Aberdeen out the, the race for third with a win so early on uh, after the break, have, if, as long as you be a goal and beat Dundee in the first home game after the break. So, yeah, massive opportunity there. In terms of the the break, I think um, just going up to one of the, um, I think it was Ben Olin said, the, believes that the, I think the break has uh, come at a perfect time because you could see glimpses where form was dropping a lot. Uh, I, I think the, the, the break has definitely come at the right time. Mm. I know some individual players would probably like to continue, uh, continue to play just because they found form or just got back to uh, get, got back to fitness. But you look at the squad situation as it is with Atkinson and uh, Rolls away, and then you've got five others, five other key players injured. So you've got Benny, Barry Mackay, Cami Devlin. Um, do, 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 do. Who else am I missing? Liam Boyce and uh, George Grant. That mm. you just you just think it's after such a condensed period of time where Hearts have played four games, where a lot of teams due to call offs haven't played as, as as many games. It's a perfect time to to have a break, reset, and then just go again. Um, following following the winter break. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think protecting the last couple of games, you can see that Hearts have looked a bit leggy. I think I think they've looked a bit. I think it was perfectly understandable. I mean, they've just played a quarter of the season in a month. Um, you know, so it's it's understandable, but I I think that the uh, yeah certainly even in, especially in midfield I think because there's so few options there at the moment and because the players who have been playing have been playing so much I think I this this is the perfect time for a wee break for Hearts just because like you say the the squad is not as um like as, as uh, well equipped well equipped sorry as it could be and. With having played so many games in such a short space of time, just I, there was, I think there was maybe a bit of fatigue sitting in, a wee bit of rustiness sitting in. So I think that um, having this two, two, two and a bit weeks off to try and recharge the batteries, get things going again, is probably just exactly what's needed. I think. Yeah, I'm there, and we, we can certainly do with it. Just uh, after the the four games in a quick succession. Yeah, we'll leave it there. I'll ask, uh, answer Daniel's uh, question about Bruce Anderson to Hearts rumours. Are they true? I've not heard any of these rumours. The, the ones I've heard is that he's going to either Kilmarnock or St Johnston are the rumours I've heard, but uh, yeah, they're not sure. Um, but I would, I would really like to um, re- replace Shanklin if you left with Bruce Anderson. I think that would uh, that, that wouldn't be ideal for the second half of the season. As good as, uh, as, as, good as a player as Bruce Anderson is, so, um, yeah, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, James. Thank you very much, everyone, for, for listening. And thank you very much for continuing to subscribe. We will be back 
or potentially for a video on Friday, if it's not James, that might be uh, Liam Corbett. I'm going to reach out and see if he fancies a review of the season so far. And then during the winter break, we'll see how we are with videos, but we'll try and get at least a couple up every single week, depending on depending on what happens, new signings, etc., etc. But until then, thank you very much and goodbye.